And welcome to the VSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy podcast. It must be a Thursday. It's Thursday, December the 10th. Uh, morning, Phil. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Andrew. And as I was just saying, it's a bit chilly up here in Newmarket today and uh, got the gas central heating on like a lot of people. You should have a geothermal heat pump, Phil. I, I, I know. And I know it's going to be coming. Yeah. But Boris Johnson will be pleased you're working from home. You'll probably have to wear a mask working from home, even though you won't see anybody. But by the way, if you want to go for a big party, feel free. Go for it. Anyone can have a party and mingle with as many people as you want. But don't even think about going to a library unless you're wearing a mask. <laughs> oh, don't get me going. This is this is a tech and transitional energy podcast, not a political broadcast. But by the way, the raving loony monster party have taken over. I actually always thought they were a really good party. Um, but that clearly now the Conservatives have morphed into them and we're being run by Bojo the Clown. Um, he really has not got a clue. Um, and look, for what it's worth, our head of research, Ollie, has got tested positive, has got Omicron, and he says it's actually just felt a bit ill for a day and nothing else, and that's it. I say, let's like chicken pox parties. Get everybody out there. Everybody catch it. Get on with life. Anyway, it's not a political broadcast. Move on to tech and trans. I'll tell you what I'm going to kick off with. All right? I'm a little bit biased here, but um, I think listeners know that my son, Alex, is actually the uh, portfolio manager for the Schroeder's Global Energy Transition Fund, which is about a two and a half billion pound or dollar fund. I can never remember if it's pounds or dollars. Anyway, it's a bloody big fund in transitional energy. And he's pretty smart, my son, smarter than me, which is very annoying. Um, but he's been doing an advent calendar, Phil. Uh, and every day he comes up with a new idea for you know, transitional energy stroke um climate change and i've been following him uh, and i thought i'd just mention a a few of them to you uh, and see what you think and this is really throwing you on the spot because i don't think you've been following um but he's he's his first window as he calls it opening it up was he apparently there are some companies out there that have the ability to basically turn co2 into plastic Right. Uh, well, they take waste CO2 yeah. um, and capture it and then they yeah, create plastic out of it. I mean, what an incredible technology. I think we are unfortunately um, quite a long way from it actually going into what I described as production. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that would solve a lot of the issues. It's a brilliant, it's a brilliant idea, isn't it? You know, I don't know, goodness, how you put that to practice in terms of well, look at carbon capture and capturing CO two, but what a great bit of lateral thinking that is. Yeah, well, his second window, which I must admit I found rather interesting, was apparently if you feed seaweed to cows, it reduces their methane emissions by as much as two thirds. And as we know, livestock accounts for almost a third of the. Of, of what I describe as human-caused methane emissions, um, which is, I mean, you know, everyone's saying you shouldn't eat steak because it's bad for the the, the climate. Well, yeah. give them seaweed, and we can all eat steak again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, the uh, you're right about the scale of the methane emissions from cattle, and uh, hey, lots of work for people gathering seaweed as well. But, well, but again, what a what an interesting interesting idea. Yeah, uh-huh. his third window was yeah. planting seeds by drones to create new forests. Apparently, this enables rapid speed in difficult terrains. I, I don't know if that's a brilliant new idea or not, but uh, but the next one is one that I do passionately believe in. Funny enough, his fourth window, which was is basically is educating girls more. Uh, and the reason he says that is quite simply that if you educate girls, 
they tend to have uh, less, they, they tend to marry later and have fewer and healthier children. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and what that means, of course, you, you have a, a smaller population. I am a true believer that it has been the rate of growth of our population, which has just got out of control. And our population is too large for the planet. And that actually is the biggest cause of global warming is our huge population. Uh, if you halved our population, we wouldn't have these sort of problems. Uh, so I do agree with him on that one. Um, now, uh, he then, uh, door number five, I'm just rattling through these. Little yeah, little by the way, if you want to follow what he's saying, go on to his LinkedIn page, Alex Monk at Schroeder's. Um, he's got a really wacky one for his sixth one, or is it fifth one? I've lost track now. I think it's fifth, actually. Go on, um, yeah. But he's talking about solar geoengineering. That's probably up your street. Um, but he's basically putting giant mirrors in space, uh, stratospheric aerosol injections, a marine cloud brightening. Um, I don't know if you follow any of those or not. The solar mirrors in space, yeah, yeah, I've seen technology in that area. And given the amount of uh, launches that are proposed for satellite networks in space, there's probably something in, probably something in that. But then I remember, don't you remember the James Bond film where they had the huge solar reflector in space that was beaming all the energy down to down to Earth and burning everything up. No. I love James Bond. I've watched them all so many times. It's like Goldeneye, I think that one was. Might have been. Oh, someone will correct me on that one. <laughs> Don't break out into song, please. No, no, no. Uh, now, door number six, as he puts it, um, uh -huh. actually is the... Um, he wants to see more static VAR compensators um, because he says the, the electricity grid is a Venus system of our energy complex and it's not working smoothly unless you have these VRR compensators again you probably understand that better than i do uh, for your silence, silence maybe you don't yeah um, we see uh, is that voltage, is that voltage regulation i wonder but i tell you basically voltage regulation correct yeah so to maximize the use of your energy because we do an awful lot of energy gets wasted um and we just got to be more effective with it oh uh, there's all sorts of good challenges i was just reading a big article this week about uh in the telegraph uh, about how the a number of the energy producers are shifting, you know, during the day from normal commercial production and commercial rates suddenly onto the uh, the grid's high backup tariffs, and this is costing the grid a fortune. Very interesting sort of pricing dynamics, and of course, it's all been you know nowadays is controlled with with software to do it. So anything that makes the network sort of more manageable and efficient, voltage regulation. That's an that's an interesting one, and probably quite a practical one as well. Well, it's, it's the sort of thing where some of the companies we're looking at, yeah. I think, you know, we've talked a lot about Nexus infrastructure, but, you know, they've yeah. got, haven't they, um, they're sort of a little bit involved in this area mm. um, and connecting the whole sort of grid services alongside with EV charging. So you need to be able to control that whole um, voltage change as well, because you can have a, you know, very, very high voltage coming in to your sort of source, should we say, and then you've got to get it down to a level that we can cope with in our homes and our charges. So I've really put that into a dummy's language, haven't I? Yeah, no, no, but you're right, though. No, you do. And that's done with what are called inverters. Uh, the electronics uh, tech that does that. Yeah, you've got to step it down uh, to a level where it's practical. It's like with an, e, you know, an EV charger for a car, which is running at a couple of hundred volts, and you've got the, you know, the electronics, the silicon chips in there running at probably you know, five volts. 
and you have to kind of you have to kind of step it all down and control it with inverters. But it's such, you know, that an area is is a practical one for development and investment in tech. Um, but you you know, it's all regulate all those power supplies. Ah, now that is an interesting area. Yeah. Well, wow. there's actually I think a lot of money to be made there, and it's um, no one's really I think yet done something big and dynamic in the stock market that can can show that so watch this space maybe yeah anyway, let me give you a couple more windows um because window number seven was i thought rather an interesting one it's some interesting statistics here uh and that is that i don't know if you know this but the average person uses 11 bottles of shower gel and 10 bottles of shampoo a year and obviously that creates a huge amount of plastic waste uh, and we basically apparently we consume 36 kilograms of plastic waste per year through these sort of bottles in the bathroom, shall we say? Yeah. And there's a a, a lady called Jonah, I think it's a lady, uh, Jonah Breton Huber, who has developed a bottle made from soap that is effectively the packaging for the liquid. And then once you've used it, you just use it as a soap. And that would save a huge amount of plastic, therefore all the nasty stuff that um, generates the plastic. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh no, that is that that sounds like a fantastic idea. And I wonder if she could develop an equivalent for like gin and tonic for like tonic water. <laughs> well, plastic no, but you see, you see all those plastic tonic water bottles. You know, as as, as well. Because I know some of the soda siphon makers or whatever now you can add in sort of tonic mix, but those so, sort I of don't want my gin and tonic in a soap bottle. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's that's the sort of brilliant thinking that we need and and and, and to get financial backing but i love that one with the shampoos right well, very... i'll give you one i'll give you one more which is this door number eight then i'll move on and people can just go and follow him himself. Yeah. um but actually door number eight is all those all about how to help the the, the climate again which yeah. i was not aware of at all but he says uh the global clothing industry accounts for up to 10 percent of all the carbon we emit each year which I was amazed by, and it's also used an enormous amount of waste water, almost 20% of all the waste water we use. Uh, so what he's saying is an average pair of jeans requires almost a kilo of cotton, and that a kilo of cotton needs about 10,000 litres of water, which is about 10 years' worth of drinking water for every person, um, and it has an equivalent of 30 kilograms of carbon embedded in it, uh, which is the equivalent to driving 70 miles in an average car. Now, he also tells me that between 20 to 40 percent of clothes purchased yeah. are actually never worn. And so if we were more careful with our clothing, we would actually cut down our carbon emissions dramatically and save an awful lot of water. That's a bizarre statistic, isn't it? Yeah, 10 percent. It's, it's extraordinary. Now, look, if you don't believe me, by the way, again, go and go and check out the, 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 the author. Um, but I thought they were interesting facts, and I, I hope everyone listening found them interesting too. Too bad if you didn't, because I've already done them. Um, anyway, uh, I've what? actually been rather busy this week as well, so I, I've had a, a slight shortage of perhaps of, of uh, news. But Phil, what did you want to talk about this week? Well, well again, okay. The, as we're on sort of lateral lateral ideas in the uh, in the space, I, don't, I I did pick up this week. See that Siemens Gamesa. Who we know very well, working with uh, with with our client Infinity, but they're looking at. Um, and we talked a bit about this about generating hydrogen uh, directly. Wind turbines using electrolyzers. 
um, and they, they made an announcement this week and they said that they're working with a uh, Holland-based company called Storm, um, who developed thermoplastic uh, composite piping. And they're looking at developing piping uh, for a new breed of offshore wind turbines, which will be directly producing green hydrogen actually at the turbine and piping that ashore and working with electrolyzers on the turbines. So uh, again, you know, going back to sort of Alex's themes of quite really lateral thinking here, but now being directly applied. So uh, yeah, they just started that development work. So that was very interesting. I yeah, I think, you know, as we see these huge wind farms being developed, and of course, around the UK, we are seeing huge ones, both in the North Sea and now actually also on the West Coast. Uh, and we're starting to see massive wind farms being planned for on the East Coast of North America. We are going to see more and more that they are not just for energy, but also, as you say, for creating hydrogen. I mean, the, the power they can generate is just massive. And obviously, currently, you know, an awful lot of that power that they generate is just thrown away because we don't have the energy storage to store it. And it just isn't required for the grid at certain times. I believe the statistic is that every year out of the out in the UK, we waste about a, a million homes worth of energy, uh, which is just huge. And that's a whole year's worth of energy. And we, we're just throwing it all away. It's crazy. So actually getting more of these sort of uses is very sensible. We are going to what's known as an SWB world which is solar, wind and batteries. And in, the statistics show that by 2050, 80% of all the world's energy will come from SWB. And I actually happen to believe it. Whilst you're on, by the way, uh, Siemens Commerce Australia Immunity Energy Systems, just worth mentioning the Immunity Energy Systems uh, open offer, uh, the, the deadline for applying actually is, is Monday. I think it's at 12 noon, but you, you will, you'll find no one will accept your money on Monday. You need to get it in today if you want to do the open offer. The open offer is obviously at a pound, but you also get a half warrant at £1.50 and a half warrant at £2.25. And currently the stock is trading at 102.5. So you should be applying for that open offer because you'll, you'll make an immediate profit on the stock and you get those warrants thrown in for free and they're quite valuable warrants. Okay, right. That's, uh, that's a fair point actually in the timing of that, uh, that transaction. Uh, just to close out on this one, um, Andrew, and I think it's quite important, is if, if like Siemens Games of Turbine developer start to design the turbines so that they've got all this infrastructure hooked onto them then you know it starts to become a standard design for a turbine rather than just having a, a straight direct pillar supporting a propeller there's a lot more around the things and that you know and that's a change in psychology as to how they're used as well so i think it's quite important um i don't know if you've got a porsche andrew i don't think you do do you you uh, i don't have a porsche I'm well afraid then, I'm, 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 I'm 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 not nearly successful enough to be an investment <laughs> with a porsche i leave that to all my friends i actually this will make you laugh i drive a citroen saxo 1.3 but actually the good thing about that is i don't have to pay a eulers charge in london Hey, gosh, you don't, do you? Well, I've got this and I've got a 10 year old Mini Cooper. Right. Anyway, so this is uh, this hooks into VW um, and uh, a lot of news flying around this week about about VW potentially um, selling Porsche, uh, who've developed the electric uh, Taycan. But VW is selling that to raise capital um, to develop its electric vehicles, um, which is quite 
you know, we, we've seen some some massive announcements from VW about electrification and money it's putting into electrification. But it's just what I think is really key here for investors is that there are, you know, we talked about a number of companies and quoted companies that are involved in the vehicle electrification space, but it's it's reflecting the level of commit here. But also some of the challenges are being highlighted in terms of you know, rare earths, which we've discussed, battery technology, we've discussed charging infrastructure. So, um, so I thought that was that's quite a significant announcement, and also, of course, the industry there is struggling to move from ice. You know, the engineering needed for internal combustion engines was a whole different type of engineering, using electric motors, using pet inverters and power control, and you know and how that's how that's all going to work. But you know, companies that we talked we talked about, we did our picks and shovels thing, on a regular basis are involved in this whole space. So that's. Uh, that's an interesting one from you know Europe's biggest car maker. Yeah, I mean it's interesting how um, really you and I we ought to go to I think um, Norway, and you're going oh my god Andy's lost the plot. But I don't know if you know this, but in Norway um, they basically are already I think it's uh, let me get the right statistics so I don't get this wrong. Uh, the share of EV share sales. Is yeah. 76% already. Fuck it. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. And they will basically be um ICE, as you call it, internal combustion engines, will be phased out by 2025. The whole country will be EV. Now, look, I don't think in EV they have so much range anxiety because um in Norway rather, I don't I'm not sure how far they, they travel. But you know, we ought to go and see how they're working it all, and obviously it's a much smaller population, but um, you know, they're there, they're there already. It's it's happening. Interesting enough, Sweden is um, their share will be 32%, the Netherlands 25%, and Iceland 49%. They're the top countries around Europe in terms of moving to EV. But I mean, again, those are big market shares in a very short time period. Um, so it is happening. Um, and, and the UK comes up, UK and France actually at around about sort of 11, 12% yeah. uh, currently. Um, so um and these things do happen pretty quickly well we can show us how it's done in terms of getting the infrastructure up and running that, that's why i need to go out and visit it yeah yeah oh well and norway's lovely aha well <laughs> before well listen on that on the subject of um of, of ev infrastructure i saw that uh grid serve their private uh private uk company i think of hitachi put money into them early in the early in the year but they're uh they're rolling out um motorway ev charging points in the uk made an announcement this week that they're um going to put in another 20 electric hubs uh, across the country and each hub will have six to 12 350 kilowatt chargers wow they're really high power chargers um so that was an announcement from them and um yeah you can see that uh, things are developing at a pace in the, in that space uh very good. <laughs> so there uh, what about um, what about any? Have you got any news in tech and transition or RNSs that have come out? Well, oh, sure. yes, I do. Uh, it's a it's a quiet period for company results, but uh, there's a few that I spotted this week. Samero Enterprises Incorporated ticker is SOM. Market cap three hundred million. I don't know if you've come across this company before. No. Okay. Well, it's uh, it's American based, and they produce uh, laser guided uh, machinery for concrete placement and uh, concrete placement if you ever go in any big where well you buy a concrete floors in your own home 
but this is for um, commercial buildings, concrete leveling, uh, and they supply um, customers in 90 countries. And of course, you know, if you've got a massive warehouse, e-commerce hub site, whatever, they'll have uh, a lot of concrete flooring in there. And so they had, um, they had a trading update and it was for uh, sort of current financial year. And they said they've seen strong uh, trading momentum continue in the second half. So remember, this is sort of construction exposed and all of been a slowing of activity, you know, as we went into the height of the COVID crisis. So they've, they've, had, they've reported a very good period. Um, and they said that they expect to exceed previous guidance, which they actually gave in September at their interims. And, and then in the September interims, they upgraded as well. But what I found, there's a number of things that are quite interesting about this. Their first half revenues to June was $64.4 million. And on that, they made an adjusted EBITDA of $24.6 million. So that's a very high, quite a high margin. And yet, if you look at the stock, it appears to be, and this is um, from Icon estimates, trading on the EV revenue multiple of 2.8, EV EBITDA of 8, and a PEG ratio, which is something that we look, like to look at, which is sort of P to earnings ratio, and you look for sometimes a ratio below 1, a PEG ratio of 0.3. So I was just on the face of it, Andrew, as a recovery plan looking at the valuation. That one looked very interesting. Mm. Yeah, I must have hadn't seen that. I did spot that uh, Dark Trace announced this week um, I mean it's only just floated and it's now starting a, a share buyback program which is pretty bizarre really but it's been kicked out of the FTSE 100 my guess if your stock's down 36 percent over three months what else are you going to do other than buy all the stock back you've flogged off a lot higher in your IPO um, actually it's pretty disappointing really uh, and I also noticed this week of course Elliott advisors have upped the ante on SSE um, yeah. uh, and so they should I think uh, SSE really should be. I mean, I think everyone's coming out and saying it's worth 20 or 21 pounds and it's sort of stuck down here at 16 pounds. I mean, let's just get the end of the story out of the way, guys, and uh, get the stock up to that level. Yeah, well, you've talked a lot about SSE and, and, and with good reason there. And you can, yeah, you can see what other advisors are up to. But it's all about extracting value out of businesses, getting the real value out of them. But that's a, yeah, it's a bit about dark trace, isn't it? Buying back shares already. But as you say, well, there's, you know, what do you do when the shares have fallen like that? Did you see um, the results I saw this week? It was a SDI Group PLC, the ticker's SDIS. It's 190 million market cap. And it's a sort of business I always find. I like the, you know, as a, as a techie at heart, quite interesting. Um, they design and manufacture scientific um, instrumentation, essentially, but primarily for digital imaging. And they make specialists, develop specialist cameras that will go on to things like uh, advanced microscopes. Um, and, uh, and they're used uh, for developing all sorts, you know, microscopies used across drug developments, developing semiconductors, developing all sorts of new materials, but also uh, imaging cameras uh, for space imaging as well. So the sort of kit that you will find in lots of laboratories. Um, and uh, they, yeah, they've just reported that they've seen the interims, their group revenues were up 75%. Now, part of that is through acquisition um, and they acquired a couple of companies. So, you know, with sales going from 14 million to 25 million, always look at the detail. Um, and of that 4.6 million of sales, I think was um, from acquired businesses. Um, but there are other businesses, you know, 
grew by about 22%. So organic revenue growth of 42%. And I think what's what's quite interesting about this type of company, it's almost what we call a portfolio company where they're quite, you know, put together lots of kit but into similar markets, is that you know the sort of structural growth in you know scientific discovery and spend is coming back. So that was a good set of results, I thought, for for SDI group. Yeah, actually, just talking about we are. Um, I've recorded two webinars this week, by the way. Uh, one is for the Superseed Feeder Fund, which is a, a VC early stage tech venture capital fund. Very, very interesting. We will actually be floating that in. We've just started the process, the roadshow. Uh, we're going to close it, I think, on January the 12th next year to give people a chance over Christmas. Um, but it's a very clever way. They're tied up with the British Business Bank of getting into early stage. Uh, business automation VC money. It's a unique way of doing it. You can put this in your ICES, your SIPs, et cetera, et cetera. You wouldn't normally want to put VC type um, things like that into there. So that's very interesting. If you want to watch the, the webinar, do ask. And I also just did a webinar for a company we're floating. It's basically a cash shell called Spiritus Mundi. Uh, and that's going to be a cash shell in the uh, clinical diagnostics area. Um, so it's more biotech than tech. Um, but again, that we will be... Um, bringing to the market. Actually, I think we're going to close that next Friday, hopefully. Um, so a couple of IPOs that we bring to the market in 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 this space. Um, just and again, two webinars, if people want to have a listen, just ask the webinars. Excellent. You have been busy. Wow. <laughs> Always busy, Phil. And of course, tomorrow you're coming into town because I have my annual uh, arm Christmas lunch. Uh, I was back in the early 90s very involved with ARM and getting it going uh, and I have an annual lunch uh, with Sir Robin Saxby and, and some of the other team members and also some of the advisors and fund managers that were involved with me back in the 90s and uh, you're, you're joining for the first time Phil. I feel very privileged and it's very kind of you uh, to invite me yeah I can't wait for that. Well let's, let's, uh, it'll be hopefully lots of fun uh, that tends to be how we do it. Anything else for you want to mention? Should we call it a day there? I think we can call it a day there. Yeah. Okay. And we will probably try and get another recording in next Thursday, but then we'll probably take some time off for Christmas. Oh, that would be great. I'm such a nice boss, aren't I? I let people have Christmas Day off. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are indeed. Finally, as I say every time, anybody got anything they want us to talk about? Just let us know. Any comments, let us know. We're always here to. Uh, Try and help make this the most interesting tech and transitional energy podcast out there. Thanks a lot and speak next week. Check next week.